What a blessing it is to gather together today, this first day of the week. In fact, it's the 51st Sunday of the year 2018, and certainly we're delighted that God has afforded us the opportunity again today to come together and worship Him in spirit and in truth. As Gary's already mentioned today, certainly we have Christmas just right before us now. Denise and my family and I certainly would wish to share to each of you a very Merry Christmas. But I hope today that we can reflect on the lesson I've entitled, Mary Kept All These Things. Kale a moment ago just read from Luke chapter 2, verse number 19. And in that location, in that place, a very short little verse... And yet it simply says, Mary kept all these things in her heart and pondered them. I wonder what Mary pondered. What is it that she kept in her heart? What is it that she kept in light of these things? I hope over the next few moments we can be reminded of the grandeur of Jesus our Savior. The characteristic that in fact He says before each of us, reminding us not only today... But yea, every single day really, but certainly every first day of the week, the remarkable nature of who He is. In fact, I'd like to invite you for the next few moments, put yourself at least in a perspective correspondent to Mary. Think about a young Jewish girl and some information was revealed to her. Some things were said to her. What did she think? Had she received that news? What change did it make in her life? As we think about that circumstance this morning, let's then study about Mary kept all these things. Let's do it by beginning with some introductory thoughts. I'm sure each of us, within the sound of my voice, are very delighted. Anytime that the name of Jesus is so openly received and welcomed. There are certain times of the year, in fact, much of the time when, quite frankly, the name Jesus isn't often heard. Many times in the world, it isn't a name that is well received either. But yet, something's unique about this season of the year. You often see people with the word Jesus on a sign in their yard, and they may, in fact, sing carols that make mention of the name of Jesus, or even other usages, and seemingly that's welcomed at this time of year. I think we each should be thankful when the name Jesus is able to be exclaimed so acceptingly and so wonderfully. Surely in light of those things, let's they'll delve into our lesson and challenge ourselves concerning faith for just a moment. We're told in Hebrews 11.1, 1, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And five verses later, in an abundant way, it says, Without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The necessity of faith and the encouragement related to it, and yet, what do we think about Mary? What if you or I had been in position to have been told the words Mary was told? How would we have received it? How would we have reacted? Let's think about how she pondered these things, kept these things at her heart. You'll notice near the bottom of that slide, although the particular person involved in the biblical text was Mary, it certainly is something that has benefits for all of us to appreciate and how thankful we ought to be for them. Let's start like this. When it says that Mary kept all these things, the very first thing you and I could reasonably ask, what things is it talking about? What did the Holy Spirit have in mind as it made assertion of this truth? Mary kept all these things. 
and pondered them in her heart. I'd like to suggest one of the things likely included in that list are the words that Gabriel told her. Let's revisit then for a moment. What did Gabriel tell Mary? You'll notice on that slide I've invited you to consider back in Luke chapter 1. So turn back just one chapter. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women." And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David." And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the high shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God." Now that's reading all the way through verse number 35. But on the slide, I've invited you to consider with me the message that Gabriel delivered to Mary. You'll notice on this occasion that inasmuch as Mary is specifically said in verse number 27 to be a virgin, may all of us be impressed that here was the marvelous and monumental work of God. She even later in this very passage confessed, I have never known a man. How can it be that I'll give birth to a child? Well, you and I today realize the natural order of things requires that a woman know a man in order for her to deliver a baby. And yet, you and I can appreciate here, she was not in a position to have known that. She was not in a position to have known a man in the sense that that had happened. But yet, you'll notice she was a virgin. May we be impressed there were Old Testament passages that had foretold that event. In Isaiah 7, verse number 14, the prophet 750 years earlier had asserted, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Amazing, isn't it? Maybe you and I today, in hindsight, shouldn't be that alarmed. In order to give birth to the supernatural, it would require a supernatural birth. And so it was. Mary had never known a man. And yet, she was to be pregnant with the Son of God. I might say that not only was that text in Isaiah 7 to be found in the Old Testament, there's another one in Jeremiah 31. This one perhaps is lesser known, but in Jeremiah 31, 22, there it says that a woman would compass a man, meaning she would go around the need for a man, and she would conceive. Our Savior was then conceived in the womb of a virgin. You may notice then several things in addition that Gabriel told Mary. First of all, 
I've tried, tried to highlight them one by one. But as we reflect upon each of them, may we each be impressed with the great impact, the significance of it, and the blessing to the human family that it has brought. First of all, you'll notice in verse number 30, Mary, you have found favor with God. May each of us reflect upon this. The prophecies in the Old Testament had asserted that the time was going to come when the anointed one of God would enter the human family. David had known it because God had told him. Even Eve had been told this back in Genesis chapter 3. May I submit to you, likely every Hebrew woman for nearly 4,000 years had hoped that she'd be the one. She had hoped that she would be the lady blessed to bring into the human family the one that would bless the human family. She'd be the one that would be chosen by God. And now the angel Gabriel appearing to Mary says, Mary, you're the one. You have found favor with God. May we add to that the following, the second observation, verse 31. Mary, you're going to bear a son. In fact, the very words used, Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son. Mary, despite the fact you've known no man, you will bear a son. You will deliver a baby boy into this world. Let's add to that one more. It was told what the name of the babe would be. Now may you and I pause and notice that Joseph didn't merely pick what name the baby boy would have. In that day and time, the husband, the father if you please. And Joseph, though not Jesus' father, maybe it'd be expected he'd be given the opportunity to name him. You and I will appreciate this again in just a moment. But notice, Gabriel gave the mother what the baby's name would be. Isn't that beautiful? If you and I pause for a moment and note the name Jesus, what does that word mean? The actual word Jesus, as of course you and I appreciate it in English, as well as its appearance of course in Greek, it's spelled the same as the name Joshua would be in Hebrew. And it means Savior. Whenever you and I see the name Jesus, may we think Savior. That's what the word means. He is our Savior. He was born for that purpose. He came into the world to make known the message of salvation. Let's add another to that list. Verse 32, it is expressly said, He shall be great. What mother, as she brings a baby into the world, is not hopeful that that child will be healthy and that that child will be great? That is to say, living a life of productivity, a blessing to all those who may know that child. Here the angel told Mary, your baby, the baby that's going to be born will be great. Note what follows it. Verse 32, not only great, but shall be called the son of the highest. Mary, this babe that you will deliver, this baby boy will be the son of the highest. You may notice in your Bible that word highest is in the first letters capitalized, reminding us that not just that he'll be particularly tall. That's not the emphasis. Rather, it is an affirmation he will be of God, the Son of the Highest. In fact, that's going to be highlighted very specifically in just a moment. Note what's next. Something remarkable was told to Mary. 
It was told to her in verse number 20, verse number 33, he shall reign over the house of David. Now maybe you and I today don't appreciate that quite the same way Mary would have. Every Jew, as he or she thought back to the time of David, that was the golden era of Israelite history. There, David was powerful, strong, and mighty. He conquered his enemies. It was a time when God blessed him mightily as the leader and king of Israel. And God specifically, in 2 Samuel 7, told David, your lineage will continue onward. And now suddenly Mary is told, this baby boy that you're bringing into the world is going to reign on the throne of David. David has been dead a thousand years by the time Mary heard this. And yet, she was told, this baby you're going to have is going to reign on David's throne. May I again, even before we finish the slide, how would you have reacted if you had been in a position to hear an angel tell you this? What a fantastic bit of news Mary received. The next thing on the slide, taken from verse number 33, asks us to note this. He shall reign over the house of Jacob. Dipping even further back in Old Testament history, David, of course, reigned roughly a thousand years earlier. The time of Jacob, you see, was roughly 1,800 years earlier. And yet, this baby, Mary, you're going to deliver. Verse number 33 will be such that the kingdom of Jacob, the house of Jacob... May I submit to you that what Mary was now told, what was revealed to her, was news that again every Hebrew lady most likely hoped that she'd receive and that had been true for hundreds, even thousands of years. And now Mary was the chosen one. The specialness of that allows us to close that slide like this. There is a word that ends verse number 33. In fact, it says, He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And furthermore, of his kingdom there will be no end. The, the remarkable, majestic character of that news only continues on the next slide. Because you'll notice Gabriel told Mary some additional things, not the least of which was this. This baby, not only shall he be great, he is going to rule over a kingdom. He will be a king. And His rule will never end. May you and I be impressed today. Of course, the kingdom spoken of in a verse like that one reminds us of the church. Jesus is our ruler today. He is King of kings and Lord of lords, borrowing the language of Revelation 17, 14. And thus, you and I today, as we are citizens in the kingdom, He is our ruler. What Gabriel told Mary is what you and I experience and appreciate today. Next on the list is this. Mary rightfully noted verse 34. But how can this be? I've never known a man. Gabriel answered like this in verse 35. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. Mary, this will be of God. The Holy Spirit will come and impregnate you in a way. You'll be pregnant by way of that means... And in so doing, it says, The power of the high shall overshadow thee. Therefore, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called, what? The Son of God. The Son of God. Mary, that babe that you will deliver will be the Son of God. 
we've just read about the record of the incarnation. That is to say, that set of events that will manifest itself in God becoming flesh and dwelling among men. Now John 1.14 had highlighted the truth and reality of that, but we've just been given the information that Gabriel told Mary. Mary, the text says in Luke 2.19, kept these things. May I submit, this would have been one of the things she would have kept. Oh, how meaningful it would have been. But what else did she keep? May I say that not only did an angel appear to her, an angel also appeared to Joseph. Would you please revisit Matthew chapter 1 with me? And let's at least reflect on some of the information, some of the pieces of things that were told on that occasion to Joseph. It is a rather stirring scene. It's a scene that's also quite memorable and very moving. In that chapter, beginning in verse number 18, Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as His mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now please notice again, these events would have occurred after the ones we just read in Luke chapter 2. There the angel said, The Holy Spirit shall come on thee, and by this time that has already happened. She is now pregnant. But you and I learned some additional information. She was already betrothed to Joseph. Now marriages were done a little bit differently in that day and time. There was a period of espousal, a period of betrothal if you please, in which they basically were agreed to be together but the finality of the marriage hadn't been completed. The final ceremony, the finality of those matters. She was already, again, respectfully connected with Joseph. She hasn't been with him, but now she's suddenly found to be pregnant. You and I notice all of that's highlighted in verse 18. It says in verse 19, Joseph, her husband, being a just man... Notice, he's called her husband, though she's only betrothed to him. It says, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Joseph, of course, was in position to have now doubts about Mary. This my bride, she is betrothed to me. I haven't been with her, but now she's pregnant. Joseph, it says, in verse number 19 was not willing to make a public example of her. He wasn't going to humiliate her. He wasn't going to lift her up to ridicule in the public eye. The text says he was going to put her away privately. Maybe you and I could imagine. And maybe that wasn't an unreasonable thing for Joseph to imagine. But now an angel, verse number 20, appears to him. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. We'll read further in just a moment, but notice now, the angel quells the fears of Joseph. Joseph, you don't have to be fearful. Mary is pregnant, but it's the Holy Spirit that's done it. Don't you be afraid to take her to your wife. You'll notice verse number 21 goes on to say, She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. 
Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the, of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Let's notice a few points then that Mary likely kept in her heart from the words that, gave, that the angel told Joseph. Please be impressed. The text says that while he thought on these things, the Lord appeared to him, an angel that is in a dream. Joseph was asleep. Here was a man who was in this circumstance in life, not perhaps knowing exactly what to make of this situation with his betrothed wife now pregnant, and in a dream, an angel brings him some news. May I say, you and I often discount our dreams. We live in an age and time when our dreams don't carry the significance that it did in Old Testament and early New Testament days. Here, Joseph in this dream was given information by this angel. It says, verse number 20, Don't you be afraid to take Mary as your wife. You follow through this betrothal, you follow through this consideration of espousal, and you take Mary to your wife because that child she shall deliver is by virtue of the Holy Spirit. Might you and I pause at him for a moment be impressed with Joseph. He was a good man. He was a just man. And so on this slide might we say this. Notice that this angel gave the same information to Joseph in terms of the name of the baby that Gabriel had given to Mary. Jesus is to be His name. You name Him Jesus. Why? Because He'll save His people from their sins. Notice again, the name Jesus means Savior. And therefore, name Him that name. Aren't you thankful for the name of Jesus? Aren't you thankful at all seasons of the year for what He's meant to you and me? For that kingdom over which He reigns, of which there shall be no end? For the blessing and hope of heaven that He makes possible? For the reality and fervor of faithfulness that He identified? Let's look further in the list. You'll notice that just as Mary had humbly received the task and assignment given to her, so too here. Joseph, it says, notice verse 24, Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. Joseph followed through the words that had been delivered in that dream. How easy might it be for you and I to wake up and say, What kind of a dream was that? And yet Joseph took to heart the message of it. All fear was removed. He did take Mary as his wife, and he thus was to take care of that baby. Mary kept all these things. Let's read further, though, in our study. And let's pause at this point and note this. Please revisit Luke chapter 2 with me. So, so far, Mary kept all these things. First, the words of Gabriel to her. Second, the words of the angel to Joseph. Let's be impressed with some other pieces of information that Luke chapter 2 brings to our consideration. I've listed them like this. Some amount of time now passes. Finally, the time comes for Mary to deliver the baby. I'm reading beginning in verse 1 of Luke chapter, Luke chapter 2. 
And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judah, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was, that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring thee... For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And we'll pause at that point. And behind me on the wall are some considerations that I hope we each will clearly consider. I've listed it as facts for Jesus' birth. The Old Testament had made a prophecy that this Messiah, this one from God, would be born in Bethlehem. The Old Testament was very clear about this. In fact, in Micah chapter 5, verse number 2, it specifically says it would be Bethlehem in Judea. But there seemingly is a problem here. Joseph and Mary live in Nazareth. How are they going to get to Bethlehem so that the Old Testament prophecy can be fulfilled? So that in essence, God's writing of history before it happened would in fact take place. May each of us be impressed. You and I know, of course, God wrote all those Old Testament things. And you and I learn here that there was a census required by the Roman government. Verse number 1 and 2 says, It was in the days of Caesar Augustus. Caesar was, in fact, the ruling Roman official. He was the highest-ranking official in the empire, and he declared that a census was to be taken. Now, you and I today, we could get something in the mail and fill out the census and send it back in the mail. They didn't have a postal service back then. Rather, what each one had to do was go to your family's recognized birth city. And there you fill out the census. Well, amazingly enough, Joseph was of the house of David. And the city of David was Bethlehem. So Joseph had to go to Bethlehem. Joseph had to go to Bethlehem. May we be impressed. This was the providential working of God. God had known all along it would be that way, and Micah had foretold it. I might, in fact, ask you, though, to note one other thing. In the ancient time, only Joseph would have had to go. Mary could have stayed home. If that had happened, Jesus would have been born in Nazareth. Why did Mary go? She was pregnant after all. It was a hard journey. The journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem was about 70 miles. So at the best, she either had to walk it or ride a camel or ride a donkey, and yet Mary went. Why do you suppose she went? 
you and I know, maybe it was an appreciation of the fact that she wanted to be near her husband because she knew the time of delivery was soon. But you and I know well that the great providence of God led her to go along. Whatever the particulars of the reasoning may have been, she went. So she made that travel, that journey of five or six days, however much it was. And the text is very clear in saying that while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her to, for her to deliver the baby. On that slide, I've asked you to note that this way. Isn't it an impressive thing to piece together those details and understand the great working of God in bringing the Christ into the world? At the bottom of that slide, you'll also notice this. There are some other features and things about this that are so terribly intriguing. Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 3 highlight that this baby Jesus was of the lineage of Abraham. Abraham had lived 2,000 years earlier. And yet this baby was connected directly to Abraham. Isn't that remarkable? I've asked you to notice in Matthew chapter 1 verse 2 as well as Luke chapter 3 verse 34. Those appreciations and so you and I today in as much as we are the children of God by faith, we too then can enjoy the blessing of being of the seed of Abraham. Galatians 3.29 brings that to our observation. But not only Abraham. Notice that both Joseph and Mary were descended from David. Jesus was connected to David through both Joseph and Mary. But might we add this? There's a seldom observed fact that Zerubbabel is also in both lists. Zerubbabel's an interesting Old Testament character. He, of course, was the one who led many of the captive Jews back to their homeland after the Babylonian captivity, and yet both Joseph and Mary were descended through him. This baby Jesus was so special. The lineage, for one thing, and his connection, of course, in the ways we've studied this morning in addition to that. May we do one final thing. What else might Mary have kept in her heart? I read it too, and let's now end our lesson like this. The last aspect. On that night when Jesus was born, and might we all take note, the Lord was born at night. Mary gave birth at night time to Him. As she did. May I invite you to note verse 8 again in Luke chapter 2. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. There were shepherds in the vicinity, somewhat nearby it would seem, and that night as they were watching over their flock, an angel appeared to them. Verse number 9, The angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. You can imagine how shocking it would be when suddenly in the middle of the night, though dark it was, it was exceedingly bright right at these shepherds where they were. And the text says it was the glory of the Lord shining about them. And they heard something. The next verse. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. These shepherds heard these majestic words. Don't be afraid. 
I bring you good tidings of great joy. But not only shall that joy be to you, it'll be to all people. And the next verse expounds upon it like this. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. These shepherds announced, or then were announced by the angel, the fact that a Savior had been born. A Savior had been born. I wonder what those shepherds did after hearing that message. You and I are well aware of how serious a shepherd takes the watching of their flock. After all, a wolf or some other animal could be nearby, and so they took great care to watch earnestly and respectfully and very carefully over the flock. Could I ask you to jump down to verse number 15? And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go now unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds told it abroad what the angel had revealed to them. And Mary heard those things. And so let's summarize what's on that list. What did those shepherds reveal? First of all, may we suggest, they were told not to be afraid. They were told not to fear. But not only that, they were told what good tidings of great joy concerning the announcement of the birth of Jesus. Finally, you'll notice that that day, the Christ, the Savior had been born. And it says, with haste they came and found Joseph and Mary and the baby And they shared that message. Aren't you thankful today for that message, a Savior had been born? Of course, our world often gives a note of celebration to this season of the year. All of us, I know, understand the Bible doesn't say what day of the year Jesus was born. All indications are it was not December. It would seem to have been likely in September when Jesus was born, and yet, Many centuries ago it was chosen this day, the day December the 25th. You and I realize how lovely and how excitedly we can appreciate that Mary kept all these things in her heart. Oh, how often she must have reflected upon the message from Gabriel, what the angel had told Joseph, and what the shepherds had revealed to her and to others. This day in the city of David, a Savior's born. May we never lose sight of the significance of how God brought history to bear as He brought the Son of God into the world. As we close this lesson this morning, thinking about Mary pondering these things in her heart and thinking about the significance of them, may I ask that we summarize our lesson like this. Oh, how beautifully Mary accepted the task given to her. You will bring the Christ into the world. And Joseph agreed to become, in essence, her husband. Not fearing, but being a dutiful earthly father to that baby. As Mary kept all these things in her heart, aren't we still today the blessed beneficiaries of much of what was told to her? 
he was to reign over a kingdom, and he does. It's the church, and that church will never end. Aren't you thankful to be a Christian? Aren't we each honored to be able to wear the name of Christ, the name of the one born unto Mary that night? This very day, if there's anyone in this audience, and maybe upon reflection of this babe and what he became and the plan of salvation that he put in place, if you need to become a Christian today, there will never be a better day than this one. Believe in Jesus with all of your heart. Believe that He is the Son of God that He did walk upon this planet, and He was crucified and He died, shedding His pure blood that you and I might be saved. He put in place a plan of salvation. As you, in fact, believe those things, repent of your sins, confess His name, and be immersed, baptized in water for the remission of sins. If you do that, He'll add you to His kingdom, and you will, in fact, be able to live a faithful Christian life. If you have known what it's like to live that kind of life, but aren't faithful anymore. You've begun to live in a way that's brought shame and disgrace to the church, to the name of Christ. You realize the Lord's not pleased with that, but He wants you to be faithful again. He gives you the opportunity today to repent of sins and confess them and invite brethren to pray to God on your behalf. We'd be honored to help you in that way today. If we could pray for strength or assist you in these other ways, we'd be happy. In fact, we'd be able to lovingly assist you in those ways. This song of encouragement has been selected. If we could help you today, may all of us ponder on the things Mary did and be thankful for them. If we can offer assistance, won't you come while together we stand and sing?